listening to WRBH, Reading Radio for the Blind. This is the Public Affairs Show. I'm Carla Redondo, former chief meteorologist of Channel 4, and I am visually impaired. I have retinitis pigmentosa, and I walk with a white cane. On today's episode of the Public Affairs Show, kind of a two-for-one, I want to also highlight a lot of our volunteers from time to time, our volunteer readers, and also this volunteer that we have today, he was also a first-time attendee to our big fundraiser earlier this month in September. Uh, the Blind Tastes were guests at La Petite Grocery are blindfolded for a five-course meal and have to rely on their other senses besides their vision. So we're going to get a little bit of his reaction on his first-time experience being blindfolded and trying to eat a five-course meal. So with me today is Father Bryce Sibley. You may have heard him many times on this uh on this station, reading. He's been reading since January. So, Father Bryce, welcome to the program. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And for what I usually start off with, I want our listeners to know about you, your bio, where you're from, your school, what church you're at. So just tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Whenever I announce myself, I don't announce myself on the station as Father Bryce Sibley. Uh, I announce myself as Bryce Sibley, but I am a Catholic priest. I've been ordained for about 23 years now. Um, I'm actually from Lafayette, Louisiana, a priest of the Diocese of Lafayette, sort of on loan to the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Um, so in 2021, I came over to teach moral theology and to do spiritual direction over at Notre Dame Seminary in Carrollton. So I am still currently there and will be there for a few more years. Um, I've had a number of pastoral assignments, probably the longest one, um, 2010 to 2021, I was the chaplain over the Catholic Student Center on the campus of UL in Lafayette. Well, I grew up Catholic, so I can't call you anything other than Father Bryce. So that's, that's, that sounds uh, great. I grew up that way, so it's great to, to hear you. And you do have an excellent voice, so I know you probably sound amazing on the radio as you do right now in person. Um, so how did you come to volunteer for WRBH? Well... I came to volunteer because I like to listen to audiobooks. Um, and sometimes in my little Google news feed, I would get articles about people who would be the individuals who would read the audiobooks, uh, the narrators. And, and one of them talked about how she got started in doing radio or books for uh, the blind or the sight impaired. And so I said, that's really interesting. I never heard of that. So I just went and Googled it and come to find out that the largest radio station that does this, at least on the FM dial, I think, is right here in New Orleans. So I started learning about it, and I knew the building because I'll go to Coast Roast right down uh, to get coffee at times. And so I went online, and I saw that they were taking auditions. So um, I started public speaking in seventh grade doing theater and throughout high school and college, doing speech, debate, extemporaneous speaking. I've coached it a bit over the course of the years. So I like public speaking. I think I, as a priest, I do it a lot. Uh, so I figured, why not? Give it a shot. I was looking to, to, to give back. Uh, I guess as a priest, you do a lot giving back, but I'm not really doing ministry in a parish as much as I used to. And so I thought this is a, a unique way to sort of use my talents and gifts. So I sent him an email and came in and did a audition and they approved me. And so I've been coming in once a week since January doing it, getting to know everybody over here and 
enjoying Magazine Street. Sometimes before I'll go and have coffee or go have lunch afterwards. Uh, so it's really been a joy. Yeah, Magazine Street is awesome. And I, I had an episode of the Public Affairs Show I did just recently with a, a friend of mine who's an audiobook narrator. So she does that for a living. And we went through the process. And it's amazing. It's it, it's it takes a special talent to read something and not sound like you're reading, sound like you're telling a story, you're talking or you're conversational. And, and that does take a special kind of talent. And you being able to public speak in front of many people many times probably just comes natural to read that way. Yeah, it really does. And um, I, of course, just enjoy reading in general. And I love listening to speeches and audiobooks. Um, I actually had listened to a podcast. One of my favorite podcasts is 99% Invisible. And they interviewed a man who was actually losing his sight, talking about the advances that have happened uh, in the ability to allow people to read uh, who are sight impaired. And one of the things they talked about was just the proliferation over the course of the past 10 years in the audiobook industry and, and what a tremendous blessing it is to, to everybody. And I love listening to my audiobooks and podcasts, so figured I'd try to give back. That's true, because... As I've transitioned from sighted to visually impaired, my reading skills are not as great because it's a little harder to see the small print on a book and white uh, white background gets a little too bright for me at times. So I've also turned to audiobooks. So I've uh, said this before that I started reading the Anne Rice Vampire Chronicles mm -hmm. back in 1985. Mm -hmm. And I'm on book 10 of 13, and I've switched to audiobooks, so I have to listen to. And it's amazing listening to the narrator with the different voices and the different, you know, inflections. And it's it's just listening to storytelling. It's it's a, a new um, profession that's amazing. And, and the talented people, as yourself, that make it sound so enjoyable. Particularly if you have a classically trained vocalist. Uh, my favorite, I've listened to it three times, is Ian McKellen, Sir Ian McKellen, reading The Odyssey. It is fantastic. It's better than anything I've ever heard before. Um, highly suggested if you can find it. Now, what is it do you read here at WRBH? So what, what kind of material do you read? Is it just novels? Do you read newspaper? What, what do you read here? I read whatever they give me to read. <laughs> So over the time, I've had a chance to read biographies. I've done the science. I've done magazines. Um, I've done, I think, one or two novels. It's just completely random. Uh, I have not yet done the romance hour, which, of course, I think would be entertaining. Um, <laughs> however, a couple of times I came in the other day and someone had just finished reading Jerry Seinfeld's sign language. I was jealous because I, I read that when it came out in the 90s, and I thought that would be fun to read. Um, actually, I've gotten to read one book, um, a book on sand called The World in a Grain, which I had actually read when it came out a few years ago. I read it on the beach. Just to, oh, nice. And, uh, and the, the, probably the biggest story, which we come up to a little bit later, is I had read an article one time. I was reading articles on Louisiana, and the article was actually written by a good friend of mine uh, from Lafayette. She and I had gone to high school and college together. Um, so I love the, I guess I'm multi-used narrator. I can do whatever, just 
Or yeah. they give me. I don't know if I have a specialty or not. You're what they call in baseball the utility player. You yeah, can that's play right. any yeah. position. Now, do you read it cold or do you read it ahead of time or you just come in and sit I, down? I read it cold. Wow. I mean, wow, wow, that's great. I, 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 they don't. I mean, I didn't know that an option not to read it cold. Um, I, but sometimes they're big words, and I try to do my best. But since, you know, bigger people can be merciful, understanding at least. Get what I'm trying to say. Oh, it's no. usually it's usually big names. Today I had one with a bunch of Russian names. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was I, difficult. I would need to know that ahead of time to try yeah. and, and pronounce it. Um, so when you're reading here, you understand. You know, you're reading to people that are listening on the radio, but a lot of the listeners are they can't read it. You know, visually impaired or or no vision at all. So it's more of a true storytelling for someone without vision, you're painting the pictures of what you're reading by how you read it and, and how you, how you describe it. Yeah. I, I, I normally speak very quickly. So I, I'm always trying to be very conscious about speaking in a, a slow methodical tone. Um, but also to try to use inflection. Um, sometimes I've had the chance where there's been a, like a British accent. I've tried to do that. Uh, I don't know. It's one of the things, so as a priest, I have to preach a lot. And one of the, the policies that I had or I have is I'm always going to preach a homily that I want to hear. I'm not going to get up there and just bore you to death. Same thing in teaching. Or granted, maybe the students think I'm boring. Um, so the same way here, I'm not just going to just read the text. I, I want to put some life into it to grab people's attention, um, to make them feel like I'm speaking to them and giving the text life. Uh, even as a priest, we proclaim the gospel. I never just read it. I try to, to add a little inflection to see what the words of, of Christ might have been like. Um, I could be completely wrong, but at least I'm not boring. No, that's good, because you, you're putting thought into that, because, you know, as a growing up Catholic, going to church for years and years and years, you know, sometimes you want to be interested and listen to the sermon and and get something out of it. And a lot of times, sometimes it's harder, you know, when a deacon gives a sermon, the deacon sometimes has real life experience and you can relate to that a little bit more. But if you're given thought process of, of what you want to hear, then that's amazing because I can tell already that you're probably have everybody's attention when you're giving your sermon. I, I generally do. And because of my public speaking, you know, uh, experience, I can tell that people are not paying attention. So if you're not paying attention, I'm going to shut it down. But yeah, and giving sermons, you want to have very organized points. You want to have a direction you're going in. And most importantly, you want to land the plane. Sometimes you know how Father goes in for the landing and he decides to circle the runway a couple more times? No, land the plane. So there's always opportunity here at WRBH to land the plane. Have your 27 or 57 minutes. And so when that, that clock ticks down, it's time to say, you've been listening to... Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Now let's, we're going to shift gears a little bit sure. from your uh, volunteer reading. You were a first time attendee to the Blind Taste. That's our big fundraiser for WRBH where we uh, uh, sell out the La Petite Grocery and and it's a five course meal where you are blindfolded. So what did you think ahead of time that you knew you were about to do this? What was your impression at least before you got started? Well, actually it kind of ties into a story that I mentioned earlier about my friend, Catherine Como, who back, I guess it was in February or March, I had read one of her articles and I called her. I said, Catherine, I just read one of your articles and she, for WRBH. And she, she said, what? I have been wanting to go to their fundraiser and write an article on it for years. 
Well, I didn't know that there was a fundraiser. And so I called the station and talked to the, the, the people here. And they said, oh, yeah, this is big thing in September. Uh, we'd love to have her. So she actually wrote an article beforehand. Uh, and she came with her husband. They were actually my parishioners back in Lafayette uh, to the event. So I had a lot to look forward to the event itself, but also this really neat story of how I came to know about it, her connection, and we all went together and had a fantastic time. So I was looking forward to the event, the, 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 the effort to support WRBH, but also to also have a few people I knew there. Uh, and so we had a really great time mixing and mingling with all kinds of interesting people. Now, did you have any apprehension about having to put the blindfold on and try and eat? Was there any of that at the very beginning? Uh, no. I mean, figured the wine would be good enough, and if, what an apprehension I had, it would go away. No, those kind of things don't intimidate me. Good. So when the first uh, time came that you had to put the blindfold on, how did you manage the uh, with a soup, I think it was. How did you manage it was that? Salad, first. salad, salad. salad first. So first. How did you do that? I don't know. I, I I didn't have any problem. Um, I guess I just moved the utensil very mm-hmm. slowly to my mouth, and then after a couple of times, you kind of got the got the hang of it. Um, figured it out, kind of trying to scrape things together on the plate. So it wasn't too difficult. I didn't make a mess on my apron. Okay, good. Now, did you notice? more of your sensitivity to your taste or the smells did was that were you paying more attention well actually so that's what i had kept hearing you know not only and and stuff i knew about uh, how if we struggle and losing one sense the others were sort of sort of calibrate and i had gone in there um thinking that if i was not going to be able to see somehow the the olfactory senses would be heightened. I don't know, I was thinking of Proust's remembrance of things past and the petite Madeleines and how when he, he smelled them, it brought back all these memories. Uh, I wasn't necessarily thinking of Marcel Proust at the dinner, but the fact that I was going to be blindfolded, so maybe it would be my senses to be able to smell the food that would enhance the taste of it, and that was not the case. I was very surprised that... It was my auditory senses that were significantly heightened. Mm-hmm. Um, where I was, was heightened wasn't necessarily the conversation, although we had fantastic conversation. It was everyone else in that room talking, and it was really sort of clamorous, almost cacophony. Um, I am very ADD, and it's hard for me to pay attention <laughs> if there's a lot of ambient noise but it just multiplied it by 10 times. I did not expect that. It didn't stop me from enjoying the conversation nor enjoying the food, but I found that I had to really pay attention to hear what people were close to me were saying because of the heightened presence of the background noise. Yeah, when I when I was training as a certified orientation mobility specialist and I was working with clients and teaching them how to walk with a white cane, most people, when they have some vision, they're concentrating on their vision, especially if it's, you know, reduced, but normal sighted people, you, you know, you're using your vision as your primary sense. So you're walking down the sidewalk, you may not pay attention to that hammer going off to the side, mm-hmm. but when you're walking blindfolded or with, lo- with loss, vision loss, you're listening to everything and you can hear everything around you. So you are using your auditory sense primarily now instead of your 
your vision. So it was just like all this noise coming at you. I noticed um, the first time I did this uh, three years ago, I was able to smell a lot more. I think my sense of smell took over because I could smell when the dishes were coming. I could smell the the thing in front of me. And then my taste, I don't know if you, if you were able to do that, but I remember tasting ingredients that I probably never would have paid attention to before, you know, when I was eating. We, we, we discussed that. That was one of the things that I think made it more interesting. Not only not knowing exactly what they kind of told you a little bit what you were eating before. I was kind of hoping they wouldn't tell us they would be completely uh, going into it blind. Um, But what we did was, is we discussed what were the tastes of the things that we tasted in there. And then later, whenever they showed us the menu, oh, we could see, oh, yeah, we tasted this coconut or we tasted this anise or fennel or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really it kind of really forced you to to focus on those, like the, the micro tastes that you wouldn't maybe normally notice. So besides your hearing taking over and all the noise, uh, what else about the experience that you say was great or what was more difficult? Well, uh, certainly the gustatory delights, the food was fantastic. I, I loved the way that things were paired, particularly they had this delicious scallop with the, the fresh cut black truffles. I love the black truffles, mm-hmm. but then paired with a Pinot Noir. So there, it, it was interesting. I would have never thought, let's put a scallop with a truffle. Um, but then the Pinot Noir makes a wonderful balance. I really, though, outside of the food, enjoyed visiting with so many people. Um, I am at a seminary in New Orleans. I don't I get out, but I'm sort of in a self-contained environment. Um, and even so, when I go out to events, it's often Catholic events. So here is one where just met a very broad section of very interesting, if not sort of eclectic individuals. Everyone was so nice. Uh, what I really enjoyed was trying to guess who did narrating here versus who are just benefactors. Some of them, it was really clear. There was one guy, James, I believe his name was, uh, he, uh, he and his wife had donated the wine. I could listen to this guy talk all night. He had the best voice. Uh, but just hearing people's stories and to see, how many people from all these different walks of life um, support this wonderful endeavor? Yeah, and there's so many uh, big sponsors we have, um, a lot of ophthalmologists and uh, attorneys and a lot of firms that are behind the uh, the uh, sponsored event. So it is a, a great event and a, a great turnout. And hopefully folks will listen to this and maybe stay tuned for you know a year from now when it happens again and want to buy a ticket because it's only a 90-seat venue for us. So it, there's not a lot of uh, seating for it. So the, the tickets are scarce at the beginning and they get even scarcer as you get closer. So yeah, I definitely intend to get a ticket for next year. And I think that there are a few people that I know uh, in the New Orleans area or maybe even the Lafayette area who might be very interested to come uh, not only to support WRBH, uh, also to have a really fantastic meal but just to to be able to dialogue and interact with a really intriguing cross section of people yeah. in the city. Now, just going off topic a little bit, you mentioned Lafayette. I did some of my student teaching at Affiliate Blind of Louisiana, so I was there 
that that location that used to be an old convent. Oh yeah, right down the road from UL. So, yes. Yeah, I know exactly where I'd run in front of it all the time. Yeah, so I, I heard stories about it being haunted and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I spent weekend evenings at nights walking the halls and just seeing if I would see or hear something and I never did, but it was a nice facility right there and we did a lot of our training along the streets there, Johnston Street, ULL on campus, and oh, all around that we'd area. We see people all the time. And uh, we, over the years that I was there, 11 years, we had quite a number of people who uh, were visually impaired who would come uh, and be involved in the center. Actually, we had one woman who was uh, completely blind, and she would be a lector at Mass once a month. Mm-hmm. And she would bring her braille reading. I didn't know that. So she'd, she'd go online and she'd get the, the reading of the day and then print it from her printer in braille and bring it there and read at mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was uh, an openness that our community had. I mean, I think to all sort of walks of life there. Um, but there was a great sort of symbiotic relationship between the, that center there and the university and the students were always so welcoming. And I had a show, um, uh, I don't know, a year ago or two years ago about uh, a society, Xavier Society, they do print Braille, uh, Bibles, they print it, and so there are Bibles in Braille for anybody that wants to order their own Bible in Braille, and that's awesome. Yeah, right in the, the seminary library at Notre Dame, we have an edition of the Bible in Braille. Each book is contained, um, and so I was just looking at it the other day. It's a, it's a great resource that we have. Awesome. Um, so going back to the blind taste, so you would certainly, as a, I understand, and it sounds like you would do that again. What would you say to somebody else that's out there that maybe doesn't know if they would do that? Well, I would certainly say you're supporting a great cause and you're going to get a wonderful meal back. And it's something that, I don't know, New Orleans, Lafayette has some wonderful cultural opportunities, you know, the center of Cajun country. But New Orleans being a larger, a bit more cosmopolitan. Um, this is an opportunity where you can really see people from New Orleans that, that come from different walks of life, great food of the city and the culinary uh, tradition, but also the real heart for service that I think that I've noticed in so many sections and the public welfare uh, and helping those in need or who are disabled. It all sort of comes together. Um, and so particularly for people, I think, in general, but I would really suggest if there are any Catholics listening out there, uh, you know, this would be a wonderful event. Maybe we could find some church organizations that would be willing to send people or to provide some sort of a sponsorship uh, because of the work that I know that the church does uh, throughout the city and throughout the nation and world to help those who are disadvantaged or disabled and to be able to, to promote the gospel in that way. So, yeah, I'm going to talk to a few people. So remind everyone about when you read, and uh, I know you read and it's taped, correct? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. when does it air? Do you is it different times? Or? I, I think it's different times. Okay. I, I probably would need to sit and and go down the list of all the different things that I've read. I don't. I, sometimes I've read the same type of book a couple of times, but I still don't fully know the schedule. It's okay. all it's all over the place. Right. So because um, when we tape these shows. It usually airs the week after, so it's 
not a live tape. You know, everything here is usually taped and airs at a different time. So that's why checking your schedule online or having somebody look for you online to uh, see what the program is for the day, you can check out when you might see uh, Bryce Sibley or mm-hmm. Father Bryce Sibley, or you might, you know, see where the public affairs show airs and, you know, different topics than when we read the groceries, you know, the ads for the grocery stores in the mornings or the newspapers. So check out your local listing to find out you know, what your favorite thing is. Now, Father, before we end, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add real quick? No, um, I really appreciate being asked to do this. Um, I, I am born and raised in Louisiana, sort of new to New Orleans, I guess, for a year, year and a half, and I've, two years now, two and a half years, um, I've really enjoyed sort of getting to know the city. I lived in Rome for five oh, years. wow. And so one of the things that I really took seriously was getting to know the city, mm-hmm. um, the people, the places. And so I've really enjoyed getting to know the city um, and the different places, particularly like the coffee shops, some of the great restaurants, uh, and to see WRBH as a fixture here on Magazine Street uh, as part of, I think, the, the culture in this area. Um, it's something that I've really been appreciative of. What's also been interesting when people ask me like, hey, you know, what do you do for community service? Or like today, a buddy of mine from Seattle called, a priest friend, and I told him what I was doing. And he had no idea, no idea that a radio station like this existed, no idea that I did this. Um, I'm just sort of, as I was surprised or didn't know that WRBH existed, um, I think there are a lot of people who don't know. And the more that I can or we can promote the good work of the station uh, to be able to, whether it be through the blind taste or otherwise, I think you're going to see a lot of people who would be very passionate about supporting this or volunteering in some way. So um, as part of the New Orleans community uh, and as part of the people I've gotten to know over here, there's a great community of people who volunteer and who work here, really enjoy being part of the family here. You're right, and a lot of people don't know. I've tried to post on um, group sites uh, for retinitis pigmentosa, the condition I have, about the radio station, so people around the world know, because it's a world group, uh, private group, but uh, that they know about this, and they can tune in anywhere online. So that's a great thing about stations now. You can listen anywhere in the world. Well, one of the funny stories, and I'll close with this, a group of the seminarians were driving about a month ago, coming back from Lake Charles, and they were just kind of going through the stations, and they landed on WRBH. And they happened to land on this, whatever I was reading at the time. And within three seconds, the guy in the back said, hey, that's Father Sibley, uh, because I teach them. And they started listening and realized, yeah, I was reading a book about some astronaut who was doing a self-help book. Uh, and they called me and they said, well, you're on the radio. But the amazing thing about it was, the guy who was in the backseat who noticed it, who's a seminarian, is blind himself, oh, is visually impaired himself. Yeah. And he was able to pick up my voice within two seconds just by scanning the radio dial. And they had no, no idea that it was there. And so now uh, they listen to it because there's, it's good for everybody. You could, it's basically like 24-hour podcast, you know, um, all kinds of interesting eclectic material. So... I thought that was a great story. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you, Father Bryce, for being here and telling uh, your story and your love for New Orleans, falling in love with New Orleans and all the stuff you're doing uh, as a community service and for your experience for your first time blind taste test. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. So everybody, listen to um, Father Bryce or Bryce Sibley on the air any chance you get. 
This has been the Public Affairs Show on WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. Thank you for listening. I'm Carl Arredondo.